Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about how we navigate down the not-so-yellow brick road of life. I'm Kathy Barrett, and life is something we shouldn't do alone. So I hope you're going to stay tuned with me for the next 30 minutes. So happy to be with you on this gorgeous, gorgeous spring day. I hope you are all out there grabbing a little bit of vitamin D for yourself um, during all this fantastic weather. I have a brief announcement to make before we get into today's program. Dottie Janki is the administrative head of the Brahma Kumaris World Spiritual Foundation, and she has pioneered and shared a structured method of spiritual development that has had a profound impact on millions of people across the world. We are so fortunate because she will be visiting New York City. So I want you all to reserve the date, May 6th, on your calendars. There will be a Dottie Junkie celebration at Town Hall, and she will be giving a talk there. She's 96 years old, a powerhouse of divine energy. And if you need more information about this, please call 516-773-0971 or 212-564-4335. This is also a free event. On today's show, our guest is Seku Andrews, and when he creates his inspirational spoken word, it is obvious that he is masterful poet. I had the privilege of seeing him perform last year, and he is, in a word, remarkable. We are so fortunate to have him on the program today. Just a little bit about his background. He was a former school teacher turned voiceover artist. He's an award-winning musician and two-time National Poetry Slam champion. In 2005, he formed a creative partnership with Steve Connell, and together they created two successful spoken word plays, which won three Helen Hayes Award nominations and also critical acclaim. This duo has performed privately, I'm so jealous, for President Barack Obama, Oprah Winfrey, Hillary Clinton, Quincy Jones, and Al Gore. The Seku Effect is his hugely successful business of customizing spoken word presentations for the top CEOs and corporations across America. Seku, welcome to the program. I thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Who was your biggest influences growing up? Oh, gosh. Uh, it depends on what year, what hour, <laughs> what moment <laughs> you're talking about. Um, my influences have uh, constantly changed, um, which I think is also why my uh, career trajectory has constantly changed. Um, and I've just continued to be open to exploring the influences and the trajectory of the time. Um, but 
certainly starting out, um, it was my parents. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from, I am the product of a father who is a uh, uh, visual artist, painter, sculptor, and a mother who uh, is a dancer, choreographer. So um, at an early age, they were also both college professors. So clearly uh, education <laughs> was wow. nurtured at an early age, uh, and they were both also uh, entrepreneurs. Um, and so, uh, you know, clearly the, that uh, creative problem solving and my path as an entrepreneur was nurtured in me before I even knew it was. Um, and they were also both health educators. My father was a kinesiologist and an ex-Olympic athlete, and my mother was, uh, uh, you know, dancer choreographer and, and now is a yoga teacher and a health holistic health uh, consultant. So it makes sense that I have, in my career, chosen health care as one of the uh, first areas where I've intentionally used my voice as opposed to just where I'm hired. So, you know, when I, you know, it takes you sometimes several decades before you are able to look back and reflect and realize, oh, yeah, I guess all those pieces were there. That makes perfect sense where I am, <laughs> you know, but well, you don't realize you have, along the path. You have hit the jackpot just right there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm definitely a, a, a product of those initial influences. I mean, you know, the fact that I do that, I bring creativity to the business world um, through my own entrepreneurial and artistic expression um, and, and strategies makes perfect sense. Because my parents were very much like, "Oh yeah, you know, you can you can do these plays and, and you can act and you can rap, but you're also going to college and you better get a job." And you know, so right. there was all of that nurtured in me. And then I think beyond that, um, you know, there's from a poetic standpoint, there, there are, of course, the, um, the the elders and the pioneers and, and those that came before me from from the Sonia Sanchez's and the Pablo Neruda's and the Mary Baracas and um, and all of, and all of these poets that constantly influence me. I'm also very much influenced by my contemporaries and my peers. You know, so whether it's a Rumi or whether it's a, a Steve Carl or a Talam Macy or you know Queen Sheba and these people that I've been on the circuit with, I'm constantly going to their work um, as sources for inspiration and constantly surrounding myself with those that I think are um, excellent spoken, contemporary spoken word artists as well. And then coming from a music background, I was always influenced by lyricists. So um, you know, having having a hip hop background, um, the the most poetic lyric conscious um, MCs out there um, of the world were. Constant influences, um, you know, the De La Souls and the and the and the Nas's and so forth, as well as um as well as songwriters. I'm a big Prince fan, you know, people like that. So I've I've I receive these influences from all over. Well, that what that in my opinion is what makes your work so unique and so fresh is that you are kind of open uh, to all of the influences that are you know around you, which constantly kind of places you in a, in a, with an opportunity to shift and grow and change, you know, allowing all of those wonderful influences um, to touch your life in that way, I think really keeps pushing you uh, to push the envelope, envelope forward in a sense. Absolutely. The first thing that inspired me reading your bio was that, um, okay, so you get out of college, you have a BA in sociology, you're thinking about law school, and then you take a teaching job in South Central LA with fifth graders. So what was going on in your life to kind of lead you down that path at that point? I was law school bound. Um, you know, when you when your parents recognize that you have 
the gift of gab. <laughs> Typically, <laughs> in this day, they go, oh, you should be a lawyer. <laughs> Very rarely do they go, oh, you know what, you should be a full-time poet. <laughs> so uh, recognizing that that was not really an optional career path that my parents really thought of, uh, uh, you know, that my mom was, was constantly sort of like nudging me towards law school. And um, and I think the more I argued with her <laughs> towards my senior year of high school, the more we constantly battled with each other, the more she was convinced that <laughs> you better go make some money off this uh, this clear skill. Um, and so uh, post, post-college, I was um, planning to attend law school, and I worked in uh, a few law firms. Um, just sort of, you know, exploring and filling it out, trying to decide if I was going to actually go to law school or not. And um, I just looked at the hours that lawyers worked. I looked at the work that they did, and I just found myself going, you know what, you have to really love the law to do this. Law is not a backup. And for me, it really was in my head. It was like, oh, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer as a backup to being an entertainer. That's like, yeah, law is not really a backup. (laughs) Right. Not a part-time gig. Yeah, like by the time you go through all of law school, you acquire all those loans, you spend all the time, you know, building up your resume and going from firm to firm and all that, and working those hours. That's not really, there's no time for anything else. So, and plus I didn't want to be the entertainment lawyer, the, the bitter entertainment lawyer, uh, you know, negotiating record deals that I wish I had. Right. So, so I, you know, I quickly realized um, after, you know, two, three years of that, that, okay, let me really go ahead and try my hand as in entertainment. And um, and so I uh, stopped working in law firms, and I took on a job as a substitute, te- substitute teacher, which you know for me was basically just that was my waiter job. You know, and that was the actor that was the actor working as a waiter. It was for me it was just an opportunity for me to have flexible hours so that I could go and do shows and, and build a, a fan base for my uh, for my records and do demos and so forth. Um, and I remember sitting and vowing to myself that I would not become a full-time teacher. Promised myself because I knew that I would be good at it. I had worked with um, kids before throughout college and youth, as a youth specialist and all sorts of um, you know early outreach type programs, and I knew that I would love it because I did love it. Um, but I knew ultimately it was not what I wanted to do. And so I made this serious, serious promise to myself. I went on and decided to substitute teach. And, of course, within uh, six to eight months, I broke the vow and uh, accepted the position as a full-time teacher. Mm-hmm. And I taught fifth grade for uh, for about four years. And um, it was, you know, I, I accepted the position and I stayed in it for four years because of exactly what I said. I, I loved it and I was good at it. But at the end of the day, I knew that it ultimately was not what I wanted to do. Um, now, were you incorporating your talent with spoken word into your teaching plan at that point? You know, at that point, they were still separate, at least consciously. Uh-huh. I mean, certainly, you know, on an unconscious level, I am who I am. And so my art comes out in everything I do. And my expression, even the way that I communicate, um, you know, is reflective of my art form. Um and so certainly um, my, my students were getting that from, you know, the way that I might nurture um, their writing and things like that. But consciously, I was not blending those worlds much. Towards the end, I did um, coach some of my kids in some uh, local, uh, uh, you know, dramatic competitions and things like that, um, performing poems for, for uh, statewide competitions and um, doing monologues. I also um, 
did organize, um, you know, theatrical events at the schools and so forth. So I definitely began to merge those worlds consciously. Um, but I, when I was teaching fifth grade also, and a lot of times when I would go do work with kids, um, it was older kids, it was high school kids, it was, um, you know, juvenile, um, folks in juvenile detention centers and things like that. Um, and so my kids were at that age where I wasn't quite, I, I didn't have that merger of those worlds quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, towards the, towards the latter years, because again, also during this time is when I began to make the transition from just going to open mics, pursuing um, a fan base for my hip-hop career, where I was still chasing demos, um, chasing record deals and creating demos and so forth, to suddenly making a transition to say, wait a minute now, I think I actually am enjoying spoken word as an art form. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, went, I started going to open mics literally just to build a fan base for my music. But my my music, my lyrics were always very poetic. So I always had these record labels saying, oh, we can't quite... Can't quite, uh, uh, I mean, I, I love it personally, you know, and, and they knew they knew all the lyrics, and they were constantly playing it, you know, on the uh, in the car in the morning on the way to work. Um, but they were like, it's not quite the, the formula for me to be able to sell to, you know, the man next to the man in a sense. And so, um, in the meantime, I was going to these open mics and being appreciated just for my words. I don't need a hook. We don't need a beat. We don't need a club remix. We just love your words. And so then, once my um, my hip hop took off. At these open mics, I found myself going. What about the, what about my traditional poetry, which I had never really performed live? Poetry, my poetry was always written about some you know some girl I was too shy to talk to in high school or something. <laughs> so, so finally I was like, well, let me try my traditional poetry, and um, that took off too, and it hit very quickly on the scene. And suddenly around that time, I found myself going, this is exciting. And I think the entrepreneur in me kicked in and was like, I think I'm more excited now about pioneering new trails in spoken word than I am about being relegated to the sea of actor headshots and musician demos out there. And so that's when I began to really pursue poetry, and I think that's when my students began to experience that with me more, and that's also sort of began the end of my teaching when I realized I need to go ahead and and pursue this because I can't be the kind of teacher that I want to be still chasing entertainment at night and not giving my all to these kids that need my 100%. And really, what better example uh, than what you did, which was to prove to them this is how you follow your dream, uh, mm-hmm. because at that point you recognized that you know the gifts that you had were meant to go further than the classroom. You were meant for the right. world stage at that point. Let's take a moment to play one of your pieces, which I love. It's When I Grow Up. Now, did you also do the music to this as well? I did not, no. This okay. was uh, uh, another production team that well, my, on my last album, Poetic License, uh, my first album I did by necessity because it was time to quit my teaching job. And it was like, okay, I need to have an album to sell CDs and make rent. So it was about a four-month endeavor of me in my studio producing everything myself. And the second album, Poetic License, I really wanted to be bigger than me. So I brought on a lot of producers that were grateful to, to combine and collaborate with me to create, a, to create some great music. And this was one of them. Yes, it's a wonderful, wonderful piece. And I just want to, before I play it, remind uh, the folks listening that if you want to find out more information and, you know, check out all of the CDs, you can go to his website, which is the Seku Effect. That's S-E-K-O-U-E-F-F-E-C-T dot com. Brian Warfield also is the producer of it, just so I can make sure I get him his shout out. (laughs) Brian Warfield. Okay, here we go with When I Grow Up. When I Grow Up. Ask me now. 
me now, mommy, what I want to do for a living. Am I too late? Because I think I finally figured it out. I don't want to do for a living. I want to be for a living. I want to be life. Make things grow and breathe. Rejoice and receive as soon as I recite. When I grow up, I ain't trying to be like the other kids that want to be doctors, ballers, astronauts. Nah, I want to be passion, heat, and energy when I grow up. Not the fireman, let me be the fire. So when the world's become so infatuated with ice, the whole earth freezes over. Let me be the one that melts the ice caps, drowns the planet, and starts the world over. Two poets at a time like Noah. When I grow up, I wanna be exactly what I came here to be. See, I ain't trying to be the astronaut, mama. I'm trying to be the space that he explores, not the doctor. Let me be the cure, the prescription for a better life, the clock that stops the bleed, the antidote that counters the poison. I want to release antibiotic poetry that defeats your life's viruses, but only if you take my words in three times a day until the entire bottle is gone. I'm sorry, mama. I don't want to be the preacher. I want to be the word, not the philosopher, but the philosophies and brilliant minds, or the concepts they can't decipher like purpose, faith, and time. Oh, mama, when I grow up, you let me be time, so that the world will go to sleep every night, feeling like they never got enough of me. When I grow up, I want to be exactly what I Uh, you're up in 20 minutes. 
and I, I uh, run backstage. I'm pacing, tenting, sweating, preparing. I hop on stage. I do one of the best sets of my life at that time, and um, I hop off stage and I go outside and sell my make, and make my rent in CD sales. Yeah. And I remember afterwards when the streets cleared and. I just stood there on Santa Monica Boulevard in the darkness, and I just remember thinking, I can do this. Like, it was suddenly, it was like, oh, like, this just happened. And then the next day, I took off to uh, Washington, D.C., where my girlfriend at the time was living. And so I did what I call a safe tour, which is where I know I can eat and, <laughs> and have, a place to <laughs> have a place to sleep if I don't want to make any CD sales. And, uh, and, I, and I was there for a week, and I sold CDs like crazy. And then uh, three weeks later, I went to Atlanta where my mom was living, and I um, toured Atlanta for a week, and I sold like crazy. Three weeks later, I uh, uh, won the National Poetry Slam Championship. Three weeks later, I joined the Underground Poets Railroad, which was a uh, national tour benefiting fallen African-American firefighters that fell on 9-11. And it was literally just like boom, boom, boom. And I, and, I, and I felt I was overcome with this feeling of God saying, what took you so long? Wow. And just this feeling of I've had all of this, you know, piling up in my arms, trying not to drop it, waiting for you to be ready, waiting for you to take the chance, waiting for you to have faith. What took you so long? This is all yours. Here you go. And that's that's the feeling that I have. When I look back at my at my resume, when I think about my experiences, it, it's been one of trying to maintain that balance between strategy and faith. Um, you know, I, I one of the lines from one of my favorite lines from one of my um, more recent pieces called The Fortune Teller says, I am not a successful accident. I am the result of prayer, poise, and practice. And that's how I live my life. Oh, that is so powerful. Really, really powerful. Uh, more powerful words from you. But I think what's key here or, or that I'm taking from it is a lot of times we have these fixed ideas about what success is going to be. And it's when when we get stuck in that fixed idea, we're, we're also trapping ourselves, you know, in this place. Whereas if we let the doors, you know, make no doors, have no doors there, and just be open and kind of flow more with things, which I feel like you did. You just kind of like had your, had your faith and, and, mm-hmm. and just kept going with what felt right and was in right. alignment with your passion. And you have to, yeah, you have to be open. I mean, that's ultimately what When I Grow Up, the poem is about. It's just, you know, saying when I grow up, I want to be the things that we don't have labels for yet, you know. I want to be the, the, I want to be the, the things behind the things, in a sense. Um, and that really is has been my path. You know, I, I, I started out expecting to be, you know, Jay-Z and, and Denzel Washington. You know, I, I was expecting to be Will Smith in a sense, you know, do my acting thing, do my do my rapping thing, and so forth. And um, I, I think I, I credit my success to um, partially to just the ability to constantly stop and assess, to keep my vision broad enough. Um, to encompass all the different routes towards what I had my eyes fixed on um, and keep my, my peripheral vision broad enough and to constantly just be okay with stopping, taking a, taking a step to the left or the right, changing my perspective and seeing, is this, is this potentially a different route to the same place? And if it is, let me take it. And, it. and if it ends up being a different route to a different place, let me be okay with that and, and assess at that point, how do I feel about that? And now that I've done that, you know, no way in the world you could have told me that I was going to be doing 
you know, creating a category of speaking that involves spoken word, anchored in spoken word that helps businesses and, and individuals uh, find their voice and tell their story. And yet here I am doing that, and at the same time, um, you know, have a have a, a successful CD, have, an, have an, a critically acclaimed CD, and have um, you know acting jobs being tossed at me, and feel completely like I am on the path that I set out on years ago, just not in the way that I thought. And I and I'm happy with that. That's really exciting. And you have your client list is a who's who in corporate America as well. I mean, Oprah. Uh, Kraft, Nike, Kaiser, Mayo Clinic, HBO, the list goes on and on. So not only did you establish yourself as an artist, but then you now take it into corporate America, which is probably one of the toughest kind of areas to break into, and you've done it and conquered that. So what's what's next for you now? What's next for me now is I am going through um, a major brand expansion and, and uh, evolution. Um, up until now, it's been the creation of this career because I've really created this out of out of thin air. You know, there's no precedent for what it is that I'm doing, which is the joy and the challenge of it. Um, and so it's been, you know, I've been full time now for ten, for ten years, and I've been working in uh, in the business world for uh, five years. And that five years has ultimately been the process of creating a category, taking spoken word from just oh, let's hire a poet as entertainer as artist to come and do a poem to entertain us at our convention, at our conference, at our event, um, and instead saying, no, there's, a, there's, I believe wholeheartedly in this art form um, and the power of it, and I also recognize my ability to distill strategy and, um, and, and business, um, business you know, thinking um, in a creative and artistic way. And so the process in the latter years has been really creating a category of speaking that's anchored in spoken word, and I've done that now, and now it's a matter of giving it an identity and moving forward with it as a as a pathway that other spoken words are spoken word artists can come come up in and now have something new that they can be when they grow up. You know, I now I, I recognize that now that this uh, pathway, this career has been has been created, um, other young poets can come up and say, oh. That's that's something that I want to be. This this business voice, this brand voice, um, this motivational poet. So that's really what's next for me is sort of de- defining and giving that brand an identity and really expanding it now um, and taking it worldwide. That's very exciting. And and as a live trailblazer, which you certainly are, and and an artist, what advice do you have for you know those looking to break through with their unique gifts? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I feel like whenever I'm asking one of these questions, I'm I'm just a walking cliche of <laughs> don't give up and and keep on going and <laughs> all of those. But it's true. I mean, at a certain point, I remember. You know, there's a couple of things I'll say. Now, number one, someone once told me the reason why, um, you know, someone like uh, who were we talking about at the time. I think it was Lauren Hill we were talking about at the time. Mm. Um, the reason why someone like her um, can make it is because she has someone on her team that um, does not allow her to be deterred by doors slamming in her face. Mm. So I think that's a big part of it. It's just don't allow yourself to be deterred. Make sure that you surround yourself with those people and keep keep that within you, um, just that, that pure perseverance and determination and belief in yourself. Um, and then beyond that, though, I think it's surround yourself with the best. You know, keep yourself surrounded by people that are better than you so you constantly are growing and constantly are refining and make sure that you don't get wrapped up in the ego 
of people that just in this industry, particularly in the artistic industry of, of yes men, and oh my God, you know, you're so incredible, and you know, blah blah blah. And then um, I think from there, you know, b- besides continuing to grow yourself, continue to be open to um, different directions, and continue to recognize that there is not one path towards what it is that you think you want to be. So I would say all three of those things. That's really fantastic advice, and. So I uh, just want to remind the listeners, tell them, do, do you have more than one website, or where's the best place for them to? The best place right now, until this brand expansion is done, is uh, the Seku Effect, T-H-E-S as in Sam, E-K-O-U, Effect, E-F-F-E-C-T, E-F-F-E-C-T, good Lord, dot com, the Seku Effect dot com. My tongue's not working too well today either, so I but it's been it's been such a joy working with you today on this program. I really appreciate it. Uh, I have to tell you folks, this guy is the busiest man in America. So the fact that you you took time out to really come and share your wisdom today means a great deal uh, to me and the program. And um, we wish you continued success in all you do, and uh, I hope you'll come back and see us. Thank you. I'd love to. Great. All right. Take care now. Next week, everybody. Michelle Marie Hunt will be here. She's an executive coach for top multinational companies and author of the book Dream Makers. So make sure you bring your dreams to the program next week because the Dream Maker will be here. This is Kathy Barrett, and uh, I just want to send you all a big virtual hug from behind the curtain. I loved having you along on this journey with me, and I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll tune in. Peace, everybody. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC.